0: Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner Matt Story, and this is going to be a different one. We're we're going to drift potentially into politics, although more, I believe, uh, a, a lesson in potential hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah. And, and our feelings about that. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll come out and upfront say. I'm not gonna to dive too much into the political standpoint because I am not informed enough to do so uh, you know and and so you know I, I will admit that I don't know that much of what I'm talking about in that avenue so I'm not going to pretend I do but I do know a little bit of what I'm talking about when it comes to PR and the NFL and yeah I found the events of the last couple of days interesting
0: so what we're getting at is... Uh, The president announced his uh, replacement pick, who he's going to nominate to replace Justice Kennedy, who's retiring. He selected Brett Kavanaugh, who's a federal uh, judge at the circuit court level out in D.C. And he has been uh, supported and or criticized in all of the ways that you would expect from liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans and in ways that you not probably wouldn't expect, which is from sports executives in the front office and generic rich guys who went to school with him, um, a letter was sent to uh, a, a group of senators, although it was publicized and made public. Uh, the letter was signed by uh, lawyers, uh, including heads of major law firms, but also yeah. signed by uh, the owner of the Cardinals Uh and the general manager of the New York Yankees, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, expressing their support for Brett Kavanaugh as a great jurist and a wonderful selection to become the next Supreme Court Associate Justice. Now, uh, Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, does have a law degree – I believe Brian Cashman may have a law degree as well, but but certainly neither of them are practicing attorneys at no, this point. No, uh,
1: have not been for a long time. Yeah. You know, Michael Bidwell was, I think, back in the 90s, but it's been quite a while.
0: But both signed on to a letter talking about what a great jurist Brett Kavanaugh is and whether or not you agree with his decisions or think he's a great jurist, um... Your opinion is probably not well-formed unless you've practiced in front of him and or had to rely on his decisions one way or another in briefing sure. or arguing cases, which I don't think um, at least those two gentlemen have.
1: Probably it, not, no. And that, that's a very fair point and, and not one that I considered, uh, you know, that's just come, you know, us coming from different, different backgrounds on this, um, you know, full disclosure anybody who is listening to this and maybe it's nobody, uh, I worked for the Cardinals. I don't like the Cardinals. Um, you know, I worked PR there. And, uh, and so I looked at it more from the public relations standpoint, uh, which I found very interesting that they would, you know, Michael Bidwell, as, as many owners do can support political candidates that he wants. Certainly that's, that's the rights we have is, you know, americans to do that and, and and you know you could argue this i mean he tried to make the case this isn't politics that's laughable it's politics uh, but you know let, let's even you know put that aside but to do it from the official team website and the official team social media accounts was really interesting given the context of the nfl and politics and all the things that have transpired over the last couple of years
0: and certainly, look, the NFL has had its share of issues during the uh, Trump presidency right. fr- from right. Robert Kraft's relationship with him and the bit of blowback when there was a Make America Great Again hat in Tom Brady's yes. locker. Right. Uh, right. The, the president going on his personal Twitter account to – attack Colin Kaepernick by name Uh to go after the NFL uh, for not being tough anymore as a league and babying their players as well as attacking the NFL (laughs) for having players kneel and not throwing these guys out of the league, creating, I mean, he's created what I I consider to be a, a controversy designed to inflame both his base and his opponent's that's that's not really based on fact with the kneeling. No, I agree. And the, I agree. You know, they're yeah. disrespecting the flag and our troops when, you know, if you take the time to listen to Eric Reed, yeah. Colin Kaepernick, Anquan Bolden, yeah, you know, Ryan Clark, you hear that that is not at all what they're doing. It's a way to send a message that will get noticed. Right. Um, the right. NFL has, I think, kowtowed to this. Uh, 100%. Just bullying, (laughs) for lack of a better word. 110%. They've done just that. And and I think you can go... There are a number of different paths this can go down. Um, Is he attacking this coincidentally at the same time that his small business administrator's husband has announced that he's going to launch a football league to compete (laughs) with the NFL? Is he doing this because he didn't get to own the Buffalo Bills? (laughs) Is is he doing this because his base... uh, is inflamed. It it likes to wrap itself in the flag and likes to attack those who are different than the core voting block. Um, is he doing it just because it gets publicity and it's a distraction from the other (laughs) things that are going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would argue probably a little of all those things. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that one stands out above the others. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Again, you know, I don't, I don't want to veer too far into politics because I'm veering out of my lane. But um, I, would, I would say all those things make a lot of sense as to why he decided to pick this battle with the NFL. Um, I mean, you know, now you can argue that the, the battle began, uh, you know, the battle, if you want to use that term. I mean, look, the, the battle, the controversy began with Colin Kaepernick two years ago sitting on the bench during the national anthem in a preseason game. I believe it was two, maybe, was it three years ago now? Am I am I counting correct? Uh, it was... Two years ago.
0: He, yeah, it was yeah, two was It was two, it was, it was two years though. ago
1: because it happened the night before I went to Denver to see a preseason game. And I remember, and this is one of my all-time misfires, uh, talking to my dad in the airport the next day before I was coming back and saying, you know, ah, this story will blow over like everything does. Which most stories do nowadays, but boy was I wrong on this one. This story has not blown over and, uh, has, has just continued to get inflamed by, you know, people like Trump and, you know, I mean, uh, people just won't let it die. Um, and, and the story was, was near death with this offseason, but the NFL brought it back to life by passing a policy that says, you know, you if you're going to be out on the field, you have to stand. And if you're not, you know, if you're going to protest, protest away from our eyeballs, essentially.
0: Um, which, now, which kind of was Bidwell's point, you right. uh, when he was called on it uh, on the radio show about his right. position, you know, because he initially said, absolutely, they shouldn't do it. And, right. and then when he was called onto the carpet about the fact that he was <laughs> using uh, his yeah. bully pulpit to talk about it and, and to, push up, to push a political agenda. Yeah. He said, well, actually, I'm in favor of them doing it, except for the <laughs> 20 days a year yeah. w- where. Tremendously.
1: Condescending, I would say. First of all, to to say you know we're restricting your speech the twenty days a year. The other days we want you engaged in the community. I mean, almost like patting you on the head and saying you know, good boy. You do what you know. You do what we say. Um, I mean,
0: well, and define engaged in the community. That that is some good lawyer speak.
1: Oh, it is, yeah. Because, I mean, no one no one has a problem with people being engaged in the community. I mean, that's, yeah, Well, sure. And, and I'm sure if on that.
0: Sundays their engagement in, with the community was they sure. were going to hospitals after <laughs> the game, it'd be, yeah. you know, just fine.
1: Right, but, right. I mean, what this comes down to to me is the utter and total hypocrisy of, of an owner who represents a group and is clearly part of that group, a strong part of that group, that basically says – keep your politics away from football. Let's have them be separate, which is fine if you want to make that argument. But then, well, I like my politics, so it's not separate. I'm not going to do this. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, when I was a game day worker, walked around the stadium with Doug Ducey, when he was a Republican candidate for governor. Now he didn't do that with the democratic candidate. So on game days, he was bringing his political cause to the arena, to the stadium. Um, so it's basically saying I don't want my politics associated with game days, unless, of course, it's politics I agree with, in which case, bring it on. Like it on game days. Like it on my team website. And and it's just utter hypocrisy to me. No. Can rich and powerful people do that? Sure. That's the that's the way of the world. But it just kills me.
0: And, and I guess my – issue with it is if he wanted to sign the letter and, and it's less of a shot at Cashman, like the content of the letter aside, which I've already said the the part that I have an issue with, but the content of the letter aside, Cashman signed it and put down what his job is and Bidwell signed it and put down what his job is. And you know what? That's enough. Sure. But if you, but the Yankees at Yankees on Twitter and the Yankees official website, Did not then run the letter, uh, publicize in the official team channels. Cashman's Mm -hmm. relationship, you know, it's a little, yeah, it's a little Uh, foolish, especially. And I want to get into this distinction a little bit: the difference between the the way the NFL has handled these issues and the way the NBA has. Sure, very different. Because I, I, I I think one of the issues is the NBA's. Top line stars are much more willing to put it out there. Now, maybe it's yeah. because they're more willing to put it out there because you could maybe make a case that it's a more liberal-leaning fan base, somewhat. Although I'm yeah. not sure that's right. true, but it, but it's a it's a it's certainly a, a fan base where the ownership and the players are much more comfortable with yeah, speak out. You know, for the NFL, yeah. oh, we do the, we do the Walter Payton Man of the Year. I know J.J. Right. Watt donated a lot of money and a lot of time after the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And other than that, you know, I don't really know. Uh, you know, the, the stuff you see is when, you know, Chris Long is getting bashed by Britt McHenry on Twitter right. for right. donating his checks uh, and sure. refusing to go to the White House. Whereas during the NBA Files, LeBron comes out and says, it doesn't yeah. matter who wins. We're not going to the White House. Right A- and right. and LeBron is the face of the NBA. He if yeah. he says it, it's true. There's there's yeah. no and, and he's willing to step in front of guys who might not otherwise be able to do that. You know, true. I, I'm true. not sure. You know, certainly the Warriors have enough guys where they could have, but could this Celtics team? Was there anybody on this Celtics team, as it was constructed, who could have said that and not? And been able to withstand the criticism that came Probably not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it
1: goes back to a conversation in some ways that we had, you know, a couple, two, three weeks ago about, you know, players in the NBA have more power. And they do. I mean, the the balance of power in basketball is different than it is in football because basketball is a star-driven sport. Basketball relies on its stars. Football really doesn't. Uh, I mean, stars matter, you know, but – but the, the machine keeps rolling on. Brett Favre
0: was the biggest name in football for a while. He retired, and the machine kept rolling. Pig Peyton Manning. Manning
1: was the biggest name, and he retired, and the machine keeps rolling. It'll keep rolling after Tom Brady. Um, you know, I mean, football's not a star-driven sport. It doesn't hurt. You know, certainly stars matter, but, but we watch football for more than just, you know, to see LeBron— or to see Stephen Curry or whatever. I mean, it's, basketball's very much star-dependent, and the players have, have realized over the years that they have a lot of power, whether it's to speak up on social issues or to negotiate contracts or to, you know, hold their front offices hostage. I mean, they, they do. They have more power in the NFL. You don't. I mean, Tom Brady, as good as he is, he's, he's the most decorated quarterback of all time when it comes to championships, doesn't have a lot of power. In the Patriots organization, when it comes right down to it, they can let him go at any time. He does not have a lot of leverage. LeBron has a ton of leverage. I mean, LeBron basically owned the Cavs the last four years.
0: It's just different. And I think to your point, the union for the NFL players has done a poor job of protecting their long term you know, job security of players with non-guaranteed contracts and all of these things. That's
1: exactly it. Yeah. That's the root of it is, is right there. You know, like, but you can't cut LeBron. I mean, not that you would, but you know, like you, you know, you got to pay him that money and and the NFL doesn't have that. And, and, and so the workforce becomes very expendable because that's the way it's structured. Guys are expendable and he's move on and get someone
0: else. The other thing, that occurs to me with this is we just walked through these guys your Brett Favre your Peyton yeah. Manning who yeah. have generally crafted an image for themselves mhm oh that is very good at it. that is devoid of controversy
1: of controversy
0: yeah, other, other than far. i mean Favre i guess had some self-created controversy with his sure. uh, you know prescription drug issues and alcohol yeah. issues the uh, pictures to Jen Sturger, and you know, yeah. I mean, they, they each have had a few, but yeah, they, they, they have been
1: very well-crafted public images for both of them. I yeah. mean, and, I, and I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan, not as much of a Favre fan, but I can admit they are both real good at, at having crafted an image for themselves that may not really be
0: accurate. And, and what they've curated for themselves is sort of an inoffensive understanding of who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not have liked the team they played for, you might have sure. rooted against them, but but you're not upset. And, and no. there hasn't been a person in the NFL that I can think of who has come out with an unpopular position who was of that ilk, uh, an MVP yeah. caliber player in Agreed. recent times, Agreed. you know, yeah. I, like yeah. I'm, I am aware from his comments and his views that Aaron Rodgers is liberal. Mm-hmm. I, I am presuming, though not fully aware, that Tom Brady is likely conservative. Right. But I, but I've never heard either one of. I haven't seen Tom Brady do no. an NRA commercial. I guess the closest no. I think no, I c- right. I could say is Tim Tebow leaned. Heavily into his religious Religion. views yeah. and, and how that has impacted his personal views on a number of issues. Sure, sure. But Tim and, Tebow and was basically a distraction and a side sideshow before that as a quarterback. Right,
1: right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not an NFL star. I mean he had a he had a brief little you know, blip there in twenty eleven when they got hot and they won some games in, you know, miraculous fashion, but not really an NFL star. Uh, yeah, I mean, the NFL stars have been a little bit more like the Michael Jordan take on things, the famous Michael Jordan line of, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too. Um, you know, that's kind of a little bit more what the, what the big names in the NFL have done. And so Kaepernick is the face of this movement. But Kaepernick wasn't a star anymore by the time this started. Um, he's become a bigger name because of this. But, I mean, when this started, he was, he was competing for a starting job with Blaine Gabbert, He was not a star. Uh, You know, he had been three years prior, but that that run was over. So, um, you know, I I mean, and and you and I talked a lot about it, and you made this point when we were texting last night that, you know, the NFL can make rules uh, and, and, you know, your employer can make rules about how you behave. That's the way of the world. Like the notion, I have read pro football talk has advanced this notion that somehow it's illegal for the NFL to, you know, make rules about – how I mean, to me that is laughable because if that's illegal, then so's everything else.
0: I mean, the, I only, my, I, the only argument I could see them making, the NFLPA, because that's who the grievance would be, it would be right. the NFLPA, is you have to collectively bargain that That's point. true.
1: That, that I would agree. I guess I, I'm more looking at the standpoint of they've been making the argument on pro football talk that teams not signing Kaepernick – because of this is somehow illegal. And that I, it's just not to me. I mean, I don't have a law background, but again, um, if, if my boss doesn't like the way I behave, they can fire me. That's life. I mean, and and if you open that door, then I could tell my boss, you know what? It's my personal beliefs that I should be able to, um, you know, work in, in no shirt and no pants. And you know, you can't, you can't sanction me because those are my beliefs. Like, come on. I mean, there, there are, you know, this is why workplaces set times. I mean, I could say, you know what, I, I, it's my belief I shouldn't have to work before 10 a.m. And then my boss would say, well, good luck with those beliefs, but find another job that will pay you to not work before 10 a.m. That's that's life, you know. So, so the NFL can't, I mean, the teams themselves can do that. If they don't want to sign a guy because of this, they don't have to. If they want to waive a guy because they make a protest, they can't. But I just – the hypocrisy of this is what bothers me. Like if you want to take that line of, hey, leave your politics at home. We want you to come do your job and, and toe the line. That's that's Bidwell's right. That's Dan Rooney – well, not Dan Rooney. Art Rooney's right. John Mayer's right. Whatever. But to then say, well, I'm not leaving my politics at home, but you have to leave yours. That's where I get upset.
0: Yeah, I, I think the hypocrisy is obviously real – and present in how this has gone from my perspective. Look, you can fire somebody for any reason or no reason. As long as it's not a bad reason, you can't fire someone because of the color of their skin. You can't fire somebody because of their religious beliefs. You can't fire somebody because of their age or a disability. But what you, but if they don't
1: behave the way you want them to behave,
0: You can. I mean, that's
1: that's just the way the world works. I mean, I've said this to you before, maybe not, uh, you know, in these exact words, but we've talked about it. You know, I worked for the Cardinals during the height of the Ray Rice uh, domestic violence, all that controversy a few years ago. And the notion that, you know, the NFL was not paying enough attention. And if I had come out and done any sort of public protest about the NFL is not, you know, treating women right and they're mistreating women in the way that. My boss probably would have said, "Knock it off, or we'll find somebody else to do your job." And had I not knocked it off, they would have gotten rid of me and, fi- and found somebody else to do my job. I mean, that's that's just how it is.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, suppose I if there was if there was some sort of anti competitive thing where there was a an attempt to blackball you from sure. from that all be, work, yeah, yeah. But
1: but I can tell you that. I mean, I can tell you in that situation. Now, I'm not a quarterback, but. If I had, I mean, if I had gone on the, the bully pulpit and I, you know, I don't know how, you know, but if I had done something and attracted a lot of attention that the NFL was mistreating, you know, or not paying enough attention to women who are victims of domestic violence, not only would the Cardinals have let me go, but if I tried to get another job with any of the other 31 teams, they would have said, eh, no, because you know what? We can find somebody who doesn't attract negative attention to do your job. And that is exactly why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have one. We talked about this last week, and you know the, the fact that talent gets you more chances. Well, it's because you know when you have a lot of talent, you're not easily replaceable. Colin Kaepernick, being a backup quarterback, is easily replaceable. If Colin Kaepernick was a superstar quarterback like he was in 2012, he'd have a job because he's not easily
0: replaceable. And that's the exact same thing that we saw with Tim Tebow, which is. Right he he had the talent to be an NFL backup but do you want yeah. everyone clamoring and screaming for the backup and the distraction that it causes the
1: circus that comes to town with stuff like that no i mean when when you know i mean that's the that's the weight you know the balancing act that teams and and, and every organization every team every business every whatever weighs how good is this person compared to how easily are they to replace if they're a pain You know, if you're really good at your job, whatever your job is, you're really, really, really good. Your employer will probably learn to live with some of the things that might annoy them because they might think, "Man, this this guy, this this lady is really good, and we don't want to replace them." But if you're just average, those same things that might annoy them might be like, "Okay, see you later. We'll find somebody else."
0: Yeah. Which brings me back to the point I was making, which is. If an MVP or someone pushes this issue, then we'll see exactly how far the NFL is willing to go. Yes. You know, if J.J. Watt comes out and says, "Yeah, look, I'm kneeling. Penalize uh-huh. me. Don't penalize me. I saw – I think it was – I, I don't even want to. I can't remember. It may have been Jeffrey Wright, the actor, but somebody said, yeah. "Isn't the solution to this new NFL rule that one player or more from each team just kneels down?" Um, and then there's no penalty, right? And then would they offset. offset.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I mean, it would be very interesting if somebody of clout, um, and let's be honest, probably white player of clout, came out and and you know, jumped on this and said, I'm, you know, I'm coming out for the anthem because I think it's the right thing to do, but I'm not standing for it because I think, you know, I need to support, you know, my teammates and whatever. It would be interesting. Now, look, uh, your beliefs on standing for the anthem, again, hot button issue. I you know, I do. Um, if you choose not to, because you're, you're, you know, you're doing that as a sign of, of protest, you want to bring attention to things. Uh, that's fine. I, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with that. I can understand that some people do and that's fine too. I mean, again, all this kind of comes back to, you know, we have freedom of expression, but that doesn't mean there's no consequence for you to freely express yourself. Um, and, and that's what you were talking about last night. Like, you know, no, they can't be in prison for kneeling during the anthem. And that's the, you know, that's what we have in, in the U S that other places don't, um, you know, but, um, you know, there are consequences still, and, and that's okay, That that's fine. I mean, if, if fans want to boo you, if your you know, owner wants to waive you, uh, okay, you know, you take that risk when you do something like that, but I just, uh, this just bothers me, the utter and total hypocrisy shown by Michael Bidwell. Uh, that's what bothers me the most,
0: and again, full disclosure, I don't like him, but I think I would feel the same if this was any of the other 31 owners. Well, and, and what I'd like to think for both of us is that if the role was reversed and it was yeah. – I mean, I know that your your view I think for sure would be and I'd like to think for mine because mine is politically tinged more than yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to think that if it was reversed and the NFL was taking this position and it was an owner coming out and against – to pick sure. for, for reasons that you know everyone is same. for you know
1: 100 percent. i would say the exact same yeah yeah i mean i really i really would i i am this this to me does not bother me at all for the politics of it nor does it nor do i support it i i, I honestly truly i don't know enough about it i don't follow politics that closely it's just not something i invest in that much and, and so, you know, I mean, it, you can make your choices of what you care about. To me, I've made the choice that I don't get that into it. So this is not riling me up because of, of the politics of it at all. It's riling me up because of the double standard. And, and, and double standards bother me. No matter what the walk of life, no matter if I'm talking my personal life or things I see on a, on a public scale, it bothers me when I see that somebody says, well, I could do this, but you can't. I don't like that.
0: Agreed. And and I guess what I'd like to also throw in is if the players were arguing for something that I disagreed with, if it was – if the suggestion was coming out, for example, that we were going to ban assault rifles and some NFL player who is an avid gun rights activist were to come out and say, look, I'm kneeling during the coin flip to protest – there's a way to support the second amendment or yeah. something like that. Like, yeah. I'd yeah. like to think that I'd say, well, I disagree with you, but okay, like Right. But- exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I don't I don't personally, I mean, you know, I like to me, I was, you know, and and you were too, I'm sure. I mean, you know, when we went to games as kids, you were just taught you you stood for the national anthem. That's what you did. Um, and and I do. Now, I can honestly say I have always stood for the anthem, but you know, I, I've been at games where I stood, and I haven't really been paying that close of attention. I've been reading scores on the board, or I've been checking stuff on my phone, and and that's the thing that kind of bothers me about this is all these people that get riled up about you got to stand for the anthem. I want to know if at every single time they've heard the national anthem that they've stood at attention and paid the proper respect, or have they ever gone to the concession stand during the national anthem? Because if they have, kind of lose. You, you lose weight with me, like, I mean, I don't care, uh, you know, if you're going to say that the anthem is the most important thing in the world, you better have treated it that way, every single time.
0: Yeah, the, and I, it, this goes, goes to your hypocrisy to know, argument, it, it's, yeah, if I mean, you're you consistent I been, in your position. Right, I, you, right. Know. you know, you and I have been at sporting events plenty of times in our lives, and I'm
1: sure plenty of times you've seen people, you know, go back and get a hot dog during the anthem
0: or, or they're talking their to their friends through the whole they're thing. joking with people they're with yeah so i mean like
1: just standing up does not equate to respect it doesn't uh, you know um you know i have always stood but again i can i can be honest and say and not every single time i've heard the national anthem at a sporting event have i stood there and and you know really respected what i was hearing and thought about you know the reason behind it. I mean, you just don't, you know, you kind of, it just sometimes becomes background noise. And, and so, you know, that's not right. I'm not saying it's right. It's just reality of it. I agree. I mean, more often than not, when I have really been focused in during the Anthem, it's because it's before a game that I, I mean, I can remember ASU baseball games being really nervous. And the Anthem was like, you know, the calm before the storm. I was really focused, but I wasn't really focused on the National Anthem. I was focused on what was coming up in that game.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I guess in a similar vein, you know, in the post-9-11 Major League Baseball world where on Sunday now in the seventh inning we we play right. God Bless America. Well, did did we do – we didn't do that before 9-11. Right. You know, right. And, and, and I don't – I honestly don't know – I didn't know God Bless America was a song that we stood for before 9-11. No, I didn't know. No, agreed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, again, I, I people have respective beliefs on that, and that's fine. You know, I'm not going to preach my beliefs, nor do I really want other people to preach theirs on me. That's kind of my that's my stance on a lot of things, in all honesty, is like, I, I you know, I feel like unless it affects me in some way, then you should be able to do what you want and vice versa that's um, just how I feel on things in general uh, but um, this day I guess I just keep coming back to it that I just I cannot and he's not the first I mean he is not the first NFL owner to be exposed as a hypocrite by any means and he probably won't be the last but he's the one that's closest to home for me and he's the one that I've heard for the last several years be you know regaled as this great guy here in Phoenix and I'm thinking, mm. I don't know. And to me, uh, the curtain was pulled back a little bit.
0: I agree. But there's another great guy in Phoenix. There is. A true American hero. Bobby effing Hurley. That's right. That's right. A
1: man who stands at attention for every patriotic song because he bleeds red, white, blue, and maroon and gold.
0: We learned some things in a two-part uh, interview that Doug Haller did while walking with Bobby That's Hurley right. on a desert trail. One, perhaps most important, if you're trying to meet Bobby Hurley, Sunday mornings oh, yeah. on that trail exactly. after a ball game Saturday is the best time to catch him.
1: Exactly. And, and doesn't that kind of – I mean, it's good. It's good. But doesn't that kind of show you, like, a difference? I mean, you know, do you think um, – The head basketball coach at Indiana would publicize, you know, where he – no, because people would be – but, you know, in ASU, you can kind of do that. You can be the head coach and not be, you know, surrounded by adoring people who want your attention all the time.
0: And this guy went to two Final Fours.
1: Right, right. And he's a big name. But, that, I mean, that's the the Phoenix mentality in some ways. It's West Coast. It's, you know, it's a little bit more laid back. It's a little bit more like, you know – this is why people like to like to be here, famous people, because they they don't you know, I mean, like I'm I'm not like that because, you know, I, I am one who's like, you know, ooh, I could meet Bobby Hurley there, I'd do it. A lot of people don't feel that way here. They just kinda of go about their business.
0: That was my thought too. Although I was equally scared off of that by the fact that he ran into a <laughs> rattlesnake. So Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. It gave me appreciation for my uh my, you know, walk around the park that I do next to my apartment complex, which, you know, yeah, we don't have a lot of wildlife out there. I'll I'll stick to that. I'll Mm. I'll leave the mountains to Bobby Hurley.
0: I mean, I've lived a long time in Arizona, the first 22 years of my life. Yeah. I've never seen a wild in nature rattlesnake.
1: Neither have I. No, neither have I. Uh, My parents just saw one not too long ago, apparently.
0: Uh, My my brother saw one while he was hiking. Really?
1: Yeah, yeah. My, My dad told me not too long ago that they saw one for the first time ever. You know, so yeah, I'll, I'll have I'll happily keep that streak alive as long as I can. Um, but yeah, they were good stories. First of all, you know, we, we have credited Doug Haller a lot, and I'll do it again. Good idea for a story. You know, a little bit more imaginative than hey, let's just go sit down in his office and talk to him. Like, bring a little human touch to it. Uh, you know, and and bring the, the human interest side. Uh, perfect story for July when there isn't much going on.
0: Absolutely, and he. You know, by doing it, breaking it into two parts, the first half was about Bobby Hurley, about yeah. his growing up. Um, you know, sort of mostly focused on his after playing days. Yeah, um, and his bit
1: in Arizona. You know, which I, was probably the most newsworthy part of it to me was, you know, he really he does sound like you now things can change. I realize, but he sounds like a guy who it likes it here and isn't burning to just take the first opportunity to jump ship.
0: His comments, to me, ring similar to the things Todd Graham said when he first got hired, yeah. and everyone was saying how he was going to leave, which is, right, I like right. it here, I'm setting down roots, I'm doing these things, and Hurley's saying the same stuff. You know, it, I will say, I think there is some significant value to the fact that the age of his kids, he might not want to pull the, the youngest yeah. one around. And sure, sure. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think so. I mean, he mentioned it in the story of, of, you know, uprooting and going from place to place and not spending more than really, you know, two or three years in a place. I mean, this is, be, this be his fourth year. This is the longest stop he's had in coaching. And he's been a coach, you know, uh, assistant and head coach now for about, you know, over a decade, obviously, so... Yeah, I mean, I think there is something to, you know, hey, do you, do you want to uproot everything again that soon? Now, you know, are there exceptions to that? Yeah, if, if Duke comes calling, he probably takes that. And, man, how could you begrudge him that opportunity? But, you know, is he going to just jump at the first opportunity to go back east? I didn't get the feeling from that. Now, again, it's a it's a newspaper story, I realize. Again, talk about crafted images and, you know, things we were talking about earlier. But it did not give off the impression that he was, you know, here just temporarily.
0: No, and obviously, what else was he going to say? But he could have said sure. nothing. But- sure,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. He could have. He could have uh, not done the story. To be honest, I mean, you know, he could have behind the scenes told Doug Haller, like, "No, nah, I'm not really going to get into that because, yeah, you know, I mean, no, he wasn't going to come out and say, you know." Really don't like it in Arizona much, and the first opportunity I get to go back to the ACC or the SEC or the Big East, I'm gone. Uh, you know, but you, you got the feeling that he likes it here. And again, maybe that, maybe that Phoenix mentality. You know, you come out here and you like it. It's a lot different from the hustle and bustle of the East Coast,
0: and it's a place where he can build. You know. Oh, yeah! He, the fact that he's found such immediate success in recruiting, and admittedly, the the Kunlif Jethro class, right. you know, it got us Romello White, bust. but yeah, yeah, but those two were the top line, and they're both out. Right. Um. I think that the rest of the years we've seen he's brought in good guys who are AS, contributors AS,
1: and, yeah and, and we'll continue to see that you know like we talked about a few weeks ago this is this is now the first team that's all his guys you know there's no holdovers there's, there's no guys who you can say he inherited um but yeah i mean that's a point i believe ray anderson made that point in that story we you know talked about a few weeks ago the big interview that he did with with doug haller that you know the point he made to hurley was hey you know come here and build something here rather than go somewhere else where somebody else has already built something. And you're just kind of following in their footsteps. And, you know, is that easier said than done? A hundred percent it is, but you know, maybe that does appeal to him that, you know, Hey, if you, if you build something great here, you're not living in the shadow of anybody else. You know, you go to Duke, you're living in the shadow of Mike Krzyzewski forever. I don't care who it is. You know, it'll be like John would, no one will ever quite match what he did. You, ASU doesn't have that. So, you know, you've got a chance to, to write a legacy for yourself.
0: Well, you know, I I liken the Duke situation to Arizona. Now, granted, Chesky had oh, yeah. more success than even Lute. But, yeah. you know, they went through the the Kevin O'Neal, sure. Russ Pennell era.
1: Well, to be fair, they're still going through it. I mean, Sean Miller's had success. Uh, but he's living in the shadow of Lute Olson.
0: That's true. But I he's made two you know, elite eights, and they've they've yes, righted yes. the ship. Oh yeah, more They're or less, the ship
1: in the sense of having on court success. But I mean more from the standpoint, I guess, of of you know anything he does is compared to Lute Olson. Yeah, he's been to two elite eights. Great, Lute went to four final fours. Uh, you know that's the mentality down there. Is you know. Hey, you haven't done what Lou did, You know, so yeah, it, it, it absolutely is similar to that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like UCLA. You know, we've talked about UCLA a lot in the last, you know, couple years. No one will ever match John Wooden, ever. I mean, the, the standard he set is impossible to match in today's game. And so
0: every coach there is chasing a ghost that they'll never chase down. Yeah, it's impossible to meet.
1: But... And, and, and look, I mean... And that is the ultimate rationalization. Like, we don't have that. We're not trying to spin it like, I'd rather be ASU than UCLA. No. But, yeah, you know, the fact is, we are ASU. And maybe that appeals to Hurley to, to be able to, you know, put together something here.
0: Yeah. So, that was part one. Part two focused on the team coming back. And yeah. while Hurley would not take the bait and, and announce <laughs> a projected starting five, he did talk about the guards being bigger. And mm-hmm. and I think that is noteworthy because Justice was bigger, but, you know, and, and, and all of them were aggressive, but you had two guys who were six feet tall and then one 6'5 yeah. guy who was good, but, you know, even... Wasn't, uh, wasn't even, a
1: real big... I mean, he was tall enough, but he wasn't a real big guy. He wasn't a muscle or, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were... We were many times last year outsized on the court. And even in games we won, there were times you looked around and thought, boy, that team is just bigger and stronger than us.
0: And, and my hope, based on everything I'm hearing, is that we won't feel that way. I'm hoping that too. You know, moving forward, this team could be big and physical, and it, it's not going to look like it did in some of the lightest years where it's— All right. You know, right. uh, they've got three guys on the floor bigger than our biggest guy. I mean, when yeah. the, when we were playing OB at center and, and right. we were playing teams where it's like uh, they got two seven-footers and a 6'8 small forward right. all right. on the floor right now, they're just going to play volleyball with each other until yeah. they get the rebound. Yeah, no,
1: it, it would be nice if – because really, I mean, even in our best years, we weren't ever that big of a team. We are always, you know – and, and, you know, I know it's it, college basketball is a guards game and all that. I'm not saying we need to have three seven-footers out there. But it would be nice if we could go out and, and again, you know, more often than not, look at the opponent coming out on the court for the opening tip and think, we look like the bigger, stronger, faster team. And so many times over the years as an ASU basketball fan, it's been the opposite. And you kind of felt like you were swimming upstream. You, you know, hoping you could be the little engine that could that could get past this team that was better physically.
0: Yeah, and that's what Bobby's building, and, and that's yeah, you know, that's seemingly what he's seeing from this team as well. Yeah, yeah, I liked
1: what I heard. I mean, again, it's it's the off season. You know, like we talk about with football, uh, everybody, you know, everybody thinks they got better in the off season. Everybody, you know, is optimistic about every player. Reality will set in. Not every one of these guys is going to max out. You know, I mean, Howler kind of went through all the newcomers and some of the returners and, you know, everybody, like oh, they can, can do here. Being completely honest, you know, there's going to be a couple of them at least that don't get to that level that we're hoping. But as long as it's just a couple, we have a chance to be a pretty good team. If it's five or six, that's
0: that's where the trouble starts. One bit of programming – before we go, um, Matt alluded to football and, and the offseason, and yes. you know it's something we talk about. Our, our off season football projections and going through in painstaking detail for That's you, right. uh, the NFL and the college game. We're going to get started on that a little bit earlier this year because I have decided that the best time for me to take 10 days away from the Good. microphone is right in the heart of our previews.
1: Well, yeah. that's okay. I mean, doing it in August is better than September or October or November, at least.
0: That's true. So you know,
1: early August, we can work around it.
0: So you might get some previews starting uh, later this month, and Soon. we'll yeah. carry you through uh, college and pros all the way up to uh, up to the season. Yep. Yeah. And, and then it's, we'll be back in our the corner. We'll be right back in our you know right in our groove.
1: That's right. I mean, what? I, I texted you Saturday. It was eight weeks until the ASU opener, so it is, it is right around the corner. I mean, two, two, three weeks, NFL teams will have all reported to training camp. Uh, college teams will be shortly after that, and, and we'll be right on track to football season.
0: So until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.